Hello, everybody. I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the CEO of The Atlantic, and I will be your moderator today. We are going to have an incredible session. Star of the show is Nita Farahani. She's a futurist and legal ethicist at Duke. And she's so smart and so interesting. You're going to learn a ton. This is how it's going to work. We're going to watch a short video. She's going to come on stage and talk. And then we're going to do a little Q&A, questions from the audience. And that'll be a wrap. And you'll leave <laughs> enlightened and excited. So first off, a video. Uh, it's going to make you see the future and understand a wonderful future where we can use brainwaves to fight crime, be more productive, and find love. Let's roll. You're in the zone. Even you can't believe how productive you've been. Memo is finished, your inbox is under control, and you're feeling sharper than you have in a decade. Sensing your joy, your playlist shifts to your favorite song, sending chills up your spine as the music begins to play. You glance at the program running in the background on your computer screen and notice a now familiar sight that appears whenever you're overloaded with pleasure your theta brainwave activity decreasing in the temporal regions of your brain. You mentally move the cursor to the left and scroll through your brain data over the past few hours. You can see your stress levels rising as the deadline to finish your memo approached, causing a peak in your beta brainwave activity right before an alert popped up, telling you to take a brain break. But what's that unusual change in your brain activity when you're asleep? It started earlier in the month. You send a text message to your doctor with a mental swipe of your cursor. Could you take a quick look at my brain data? Anything to worry about? Your mind starts to wander to the new colleague on your team, whom you know you shouldn't be daydreaming about, given the policy against intra-office romance. But you can't help fantasizing just a little. But then you start to worry that your boss will notice your amorous feelings when she checks your brain activity and shift your attention back to the present. You breathe a sigh of relief when the email she sends you later that day congratulates you on your brain metrics from the past quarter, which have earned you another performance bonus. You head home jamming to the music with your work-issued brain-sensing earbuds still in. When you arrive at work the next day, a somber cloud has fallen over the office. Along with emails, text messages, and GPS location data, the government has subpoenaed employees' brainwave data from the past year. They have compelling evidence that one of your coworkers has committed massive wire fraud. Now, they're looking for his conspirators. You discover they are looking for synchronized activity between your coworker and the people he has working with. While you know you're innocent of any you start What do you think? Is it a future you're ready for? You may be surprised to learn that it's a future that has that is crazy. All right. It kind of reminds me of Tom Cruise's movie Minority Report. I don't know if you ever seen that. It's a pretty old movie where basically it's like thought crime. They'll have you persecuted and arrested because you thought of the crime before it even happened, before you even did it. 
It's crazy. It's already arrived. Watch how it goes even further. Everything in that video that you just saw is based on technology that is already here today. Artificial intelligence has enabled advances in decoding brain activity in ways that we never before thought possible. You've heard a lot about AI over the past few years. Here at Davos, it's been the talk of the hour. But I want to talk about it in a different way, which is the ability to decode brainwave activity. After all, what you think, what you feel, it's all just data. Data that in large patterns can be decoded using artificial intelligence. Consider this, the average person thinks thousands of thoughts each day. As a thought takes form, like a math calculation, you're happy, you're tired, you're hungry, you're elated. Neurons are firing in your brain, emitting tiny electrical discharges. As a particular thought takes form, hundreds of thousands of neurons fire in characteristic patterns that can be decoded with EEG, or electroencephalography, and AI-powered devices. In fact, what you're seeing here is my brain activity while I'm wearing a simple device like the one on the right. We're not talking about implanted devices of the future. I'm talking about wearable devices that are like Fitbits for your brain. It used to be that there was very little we could tell from EEG activity. But already, using consumer wearable devices, these are headbands, uh, hats that have sensors that can pick up your brainwave activity, earbuds, headphones, tiny tattoos that you can wear behind your ear. We can pick up emotional states like are you happy or sad or angry? We can pick up and decode faces that you're seeing in your mind. Simple shapes, numbers, your PIN number to your bank account. It's not just your brain activity here that we can pick up. We can also pick up your brain activity in different places, like as your neurons fire from your brain down your arm and send signals to your hand to tell you how to type, move. All of that can be decoded through electromyography, and that's what you're seeing here as a device now in the form of a simple wearable watch that can pick up that activity. And in one of the pivotal acquisitions of the field, Meta acquired this company, Control Labs, in 2019 because major tech companies are investing in helping to make these devices universally applicable as the way in which we interact with the rest of our technology. In fact, the coming future, and I mean near-term future, is these devices being the primary way in which we interact with all of the rest of our technology. Rather than a mouse or a keyboard, you can simply swipe with your mind, move your hands more seamlessly when you're in VR or AR, use your brain as the way in which you interact with all of the rest of your technology, which is an exciting and promising future, but also a potentially scary one, a transformative one, one that will change the way that we interact with other people and even how we understand ourselves. Let's take a look. This is where some of our core technologies like EMG come into play. Neural interfaces, when they work right, and we still have a lot of work to go here, feel like magic. So if you send a, a control to your muscle saying, I want to move my finger, it starts in your brain, it goes down your spine through motor neurons, and this is an electrical signal. 
So you should be able to grab that electrical signal on the muscle and say, oh, okay, the user wants to move their finger. What is it like to feel like pushing a button without actually pushing it? That could be as simple as, hey, I just want to move this cursor up or move it left. Well, normally I would do that by actually moving, but here you're able to move that cursor left. And it's because you and a machine agreed which neurons mean left and which neurons mean right. You're in this constant conversation with the machine. This new form of control, it requires us to build an interface that adapts to you and your environment. It's an exciting future, a seamless future. It's a future that has already arrived in many contexts throughout the world and especially in workplaces. So it turns out that one of the most compelling early applications of this technology is to be able to decode at least some simple effective states of individuals that can potentially improve their well-being, potentially improve productivity, but certainly transform what our lives look like in the workplace and in our everyday activities. While we can't literally decode complex thought just yet, there's a lot that we can already decode that's quite relevant. Why do they so want to get inside your brain? Why does it have to be that you have to know every single part of inside a human's brain? Why can't you just keep it to like security wise? Why do you have to control the human being? This is all about control. They want to know what you're thinking. They want you like a drone, a digital slave. They want you to be okay having nothing, but you are happy. They want to control you. They want slaves. And that's what it is. That's what it's about. And using AI to do it. For the workplace environment. Consider the fact that a safer workplace with no free will right now many workplaces have individuals who have to be awake and alert at all times in order to do their jobs well sometimes that doesn't happen take this example where this trucker decided to take a 20-hour shot for a 1500 mile ride well exceeding the amount of time that any trucker, long haul trucker, is supposed to drive. His employer didn't discover his choices until the fatal accident that was disastrous for the company and cost many lives. But he could have known much sooner. He could have detected whether or not the trucker was entering into the earliest stages of microsleep, starting to go from being alert to tired well before it occurred. And he could have done so through a simple hat, a simple wearable hat that has embedded electrode sensors that would pick up brainwave activity and give a score between one to five to help the employer and the employee know what stage of alertness the person was experiencing and whether or not they were starting to fall asleep. Now you might think, okay, we have driver assist technology in cars already, why do we need this? It's because this happens much sooner much more accurately, and it gives you the real-time information that you need in order to make choices to intervene before a person is perilously exhausted. And we as a society should want that. We should want a technology that enables us to be safer, to all be able to exist in an environment where commercial drivers or individuals who need to be wide awake are wide awake when they're supposed to be. Because when they're not, the consequences are disastrous. While plane crashes are much less frequent than other forms of accidents, at least 16 plane crashes in the past decade 
have been attributed to pilot fatigue. Which is probably why in more than 5,000 companies across the world, employees are already having their brainwave activity monitored to test for their fatigue levels. Whether it's the Beijing-Shanghai line, where train conductors are required to wear hats that have sensors that pick up their brain activity, or mining companies throughout the world, employees are already having their brain activity monitored, and it, may wear, it very well may be something that we want to embrace as a society. Okay, you might be shuddering, right? That was certainly my first reaction when I discovered that we are tracking brainwave activity in the workplace and that we can do it at all. But I believe we need to have a much more nuanced conversation about it. Because I think done well, neurotechnology has extraordinary promise. Done poorly, it could become the most oppressive technology we've ever introduced in a wide scale across society. But that's what they want to do. They want to oppress you. They want to put you in a situation where they have complete control over you. Even the fact, I, look, they want to try and control people. That's what it is. But then in the wrong way, they know what they're doing. They know this is the, the end game is to control humanity. That's what they want. And if you're not down with that, they'll just make sure that you don't eat and you don't work unless you take this technology. I'm betting money that's what it's going to be about. Now, let's go on to the next story right here. This one is a little bit even more creepier. Okay. All right. All right. Hold on to your hats. Pandemic shook the world and brought nations to their knees. The virus took away lots of lives and continues to loom over us. Zombie fungus now. But did you know there could be another contender waiting in line? A dangerous contender known as the zombie fungus, a fungus that hacks the brain and could potentially turn one into a zombie. It might sound like a work of fiction, but in the kingdom of fungus, the organisms range from edible mushrooms to nightmare-fueled parasites. The species of parasitic cordyceps are very real and are capable of creating zombified ants and other small insects. People are questioning whether the fungus could make a leap from preying on small insects to infecting humans. The resulting fungi pandemic could lead to the collapse of societies. So let's see how the zombie fungus eliminates its victims. Cordyceps break the host insect's soft tissues and grows long stems outside the victim's body. The fungus essentially feeds on the brain of the victim. Spores enter the insect's body which helps the fungus protect itself and reproduce. Questions of a probable zombie fungus, apocalypse rises from a famous Netflix series, The Last of Us, in which a fungus turns humans into zombies. In scenes more disturbing than the scariest horror film, tendrils of death erupting from people's heads and fungus spores giving birth to zombies has viewers hooked to the show. But now a reality check. Is a zombie fungi apocalypse possible? The World Health Organization has identified 19 different threatening fungi, but cordyceps 
do not feature on that list. Experts say that the fungus could create zombified insects, but the same happening to humans is not possible in the near future. Doctors have proven that human body temperature is too high for most fungi to settle and grow. Insects have a simpler nervous system than ours, which makes it easier to infect their brain. Although the zombie fungi cannot infect us right now, the Hospital for Tropical Diseases in London warns that we are unprepared for dealing with a fungal pandemic if and when the time comes. Well, the good news is humankind does not have a zombie fate in the books, but climate change and the COVID pandemic is slowly changing our planet, which is slowly altering the environment and our bodies. So the question is, will the zombie fungus also mutate and evolve? How much you want to bet they will put that in our food? How much you want to bet that they will try to make us eat fungus along with trying? They're already trying to make us eat bugs. They're already trying to make us do that. I bet you they will try to do this. They'll try to find some way to put it in your food to have you a zombie. All right. Next one. Else, we told you about two new Western tanks approved for Ukraine. As Kiev lauded the move, little did it know that Moscow was planning its next move. Since the announcement, Russia has launched a barrage of attacks towards Ukraine. Air raid alarms had sounded across the country. Eleven people lost their lives and many were left injured. The visuals on your screens are from the capital city of Kiev. Residents were forced to take shelter in underground metro stations. A missile even landed on non-residential buildings in the south of Kiev. Remember, even before the West gave the green light, Russia had already vowed to retaliate and has sent a barrage of missiles onto Ukrainian soil. The West's decision to send more firepower to Ukrainian troops has enraged Russia. Moscow is calling it a direct involvement by the West. My thing is, what's the point of sending Ukrainians these tanks and they don't have the time to learn this in time to go to head to head with Russia? What's the point of giving them these tanks? They're going to end up killing each other. I see a point. Но Украина никоим образом не означает э, вовлеченность этих э, стран или альянса. The Leopard 2 and Abrams M1 tanks have gotten the green light, but there is a long road between that and reaching the battleground. There are logistical challenges of how the tanks will reach Ukraine. Then the soldiers will have to be trained for the high-level tanks. Then there are artilleries to be decided that will accompany the tanks. 
Well, we cannot confirm everything at the moment, but the German defense minister says the Leopard 2 tanks will reach Ukraine by the end of March. It's important to note that the Western countries have already sent Ukraine everything from artillery to Patriot anti-missile defense systems. But tanks were long considered a step too far not just by Russia, but also by the West. But Ukraine is also desperate. It is gearing up for a new spring assault. So naturally, allies are now scrambling to send the powerful weapons. Russia's game plan is not known. It could be the latest twist in the biggest European conflict since World War II. Russian forces have tightened the screws on Bakhmut. Ukrainians have described it as a wave of attacks on humanity. An attack on humanity, but it's okay to uh, to have white supremacist ideologies, neo-Nazi ideologies, and want to harm and even kill people who are of a different ethnic group than you. And you guys support an ideology of a man that wanted to kill blacks, wanted to kill Jews, and anybody who did not have blonde hair, blue eyes. Hmm. But you want to talk about humanity. Now, for more on this, we're being joined by Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis, who is a military expert for defense priorities. Thank you for being with us, Colonel. Now, Ukraine got the green light on the tanks that it wanted, the Abrams and the Leopard 2. But did they underestimate Russia's retaliation? Yeah, I doubt that they underestimated. I think they're completely uh, uh, clear that, that Russia is in an all-out war and they're going to do everything that they can. I believe that this is a response to that, in fact, that, that they say, hey, if, if Russia's coming at us with everything they have, then we want to get everything that we can get on the other side to defend and then eventually to reverse the situation to try and drive Russia out. That's very clearly Kiev's intention. That's what uh, Zelensky has said almost from the outset. And has said nothing different uh, in the recent days. And now you see both Washington and, and uh, Berlin and now and also uh, uh, London are all willing to say, hey, here's some of our top line, you know, or something close to our top line main battle tanks to go along with all the other categories of things you just mentioned have already been delivered. Uh, and it remains to be seen if under the most grueling conditions, Ukraine can convert all of those those items into effective combat power. And that's the that's the real unknown at this point. Right. And Colonel, we've seen footage of the strikes uh, in Kiev. Is this the next phase of Russia's invasion? And what do we make of Russia's statements saying that it's direct involvement by the West? Yeah, I think what you're seeing with this uh, this current uh, wave is just the latest in a, in a long series uh, of waves. Going back all the way to October, uh, they have been periodically uh, coming at, in large numbers of, of multi-wave strikes uh, like this one uh, to where they try to take out both the energy infrastructure that's necessary for Ukraine to support and move its military around and also uh, to specifically uh, degrade Ukraine's military capacity both in terms of troops and, and infrastructure. And, and apparently all of those were targeted this latest one. Uh, and most likely this is in, in preparation for uh, what almost has to be some kind of a Russian uh, uh, winter offensive. And, and I think that that is going to take on more urgency now because of all these weapons that are going to be coming in later in the spring. It, it's, there's a window of potential opportunity right now for Russia where I think that they're going to feel compelled to move 
maybe sooner than they would like, or certainly the urgency to strike in this winter, because once those tanks starts coming in and Ukraine starts getting trained on them, you know, how far they can go is another matter. But the fact that those weapons will be on the ground with ammunition will unquestionably improve the Ukrainian side. Right. Colonel, thank you very much. They're not going to win. Putin already said, you can send as much tanks as you want. They're all going to burn the same. All right. They're all going to burn the same. And, you know, how are they going to win? You have to know how to use those tanks. They're not going to have enough time. And plus the fact of, you know, between your soldiers having tuberculosis, between the fact of, the you know, the higher-ups are stealing from their fellow so soldiers, you don't even treat your mercenaries right that want to – you don't even treat the allies that want to help you with respect. You try to get them killed, literally. How are they supposed to win this war? It's a suicide mission. It's a slaughter now. It's amazing how people want to lie and say they're going to win this war. They're going to win this war. Yeah. Sure, they're, they're, they're going to win this. I, I, don't, I don't see that at all happening. You can't because there's no, there's no cooperation. There's no... There's no uh, respect in Ukraine for their fellow soldiers. Is the, how are you going to win when you're so corrupt that you don't even care about your, the, the countrymen? People risking their lives and dying for you, dying for their country, dying for Zelensky. Zelensky doesn't even give a damn. His wife doesn't even give a damn about the Ukraine. You're in like Europe getting, you know, a dress for $4,000. Instead of staying there and being supportive of the troops and the people there that are, you know, they're risking their lives for Ukraine. You decide to live on the hog and have interviews with David Letterman. Like, that's, like, that's going to help. I really don't I can't even I can't even buy that lie. I can't. So on to the next story. All right. What's this one right here? Uh yep. It's the next one. story we're tracking for you. The US and Germany turn Zelensky's birthday into a historic day for Ukraine. On Wednesday, US President Biden and German Chancellor Schultz announced tanks for Ukraine's armed forces. Poland, the Netherlands, Spain, Norway and Finland have signaled that they will or are willing to send tanks. The Kremlin hit out, dubbing the tank supply plans a losing scheme and warned they'd go up in flames. But Zelensky's shopping list is expansive. After tanks, fighter jets are now on the top of the agenda.
Western tanks for Ukraine once seemed unthinkable. Kiev is now pushing the West to break the final taboo, and officials are already gearing up. Experts say that by greenlighting tanks, the West moved from a defensive support to an offensive support. Ukrainian officials say Western tanks will allow them to shift the tide in the war. The tanks, they say, will allow them to punch through Russian defensive lines and reclaim territory. But Zelensky is persistent. Ukraine wants Western fighter jets next. With depleted strength and dated aircraft, the Ukrainian Air Force is struggling. Western aircraft may be the shot in the arm. That Again, where are you going to have the time to learn how to use all this equipment? What are you going to do? You're going to play Call of Duty? What are you, you going to play? You're going to play Top Gun from Nintendo? What are you going to do to learn how to use all these weapons? Okay, six to 12 months of training. Russia has been doing this for how long? Who's going to train you to do all this stuff? I want this. I want. Where's the time to train for all of this? That Ukraine needs. Ukrainian Air Force spokesperson said F-16 may be the best option. Ukraine is preparing airfields across the country in anticipation of jets like the U.S.-made F-16 or the French Mirage or Rafale fighters. However, it is not about deliveries alone. Experts say fighter jets are complex platforms needing intensive training. Remember, the Ukrainians fly Soviet-era jets like Sukhois and MiGs. The country's current fleet of warplanes is older than modern Ukraine itself. Western jets like F-16s are a totally different ballgame. The training will last many months, and Ukraine will also need logistics and maintenance systems in place. The time is clearly running out as the Russians continue to double down. Russia has warned repeatedly support for the Ukrainian Air Force would be seen in Moscow as participation in the conflict. So not only that, will Ukraine face the wrath of Russia, other European, other European nations, including the United States, may feel the wrath of Russia. NATO has said it does not want a direct conflict with Moscow. Now, for more on this, we are being joined by Edward Joseph, who is a foreign policy analyst. Thank you for being with us, Edward. Now, do you think that, like tanks, NATO would give fighter jets to Ukraine? Not at the moment. Uh, no. Uh, tanks are already a major step forward for NATO, uh, for the United States, uh, for Germany to be uh, sending tanks. This is already crossing a significant threshold, a necessary move, a necessary threshold to cross, but not at this time. Uh, the the U.S. Uh, and NATO would not give fighter jets at this time. And I underscore that point at this time because uh, there was a point when tanks were thought to be uh, overly provocative uh, move. It, so much of this will depend on the Russian reaction. And that's what drives the decision to provide tanks. And, of course, obviously, President Zelensky, he knows and he could use fighter jets to, to great advantage. But uh, they will not be provided at this time. Please. Mm. On that, Moscow has called the decision to give tanks to Ukraine a provocative move. What could be the Russian reaction if NATO eventually provides fighter jets? 
Well, this is, uh, you, you've put your finger on, on the real question because this becomes, this entirely becomes an assessment on how we in the West perceive Vladimir Putin's moves. Because so much of this, the, the entire war, including Putin's own strategy, is each about each side trying to perceive and compel the other side to back down and create the conditions for the settlement that it wants, that Putin wants, and then, of course, we and President Zelensky want as well. So that's what's behind this. And uh, when uh, we hear President Putin claiming tanks are provocative move, of course, he's doing that because he knows the West is concerned about crossing some unknown and probably imaginary red line uh, in Moscow, which could trigger further escalation and even the threat of using nuclear weapons. So that's what's behind this. But the, the nonetheless, the U.S. sees and its allies in Germany and NATO see what Putin is doing, how he's doubling down, how his, uh, his campaign against Ukrainian civilians and Ukrainian infrastructure is just hammering away in the most brutal way, slaughtering civilians. And again, remember, an unprovoked aggression on Russia's part. That's very important for your viewers to understand. Please. Right. Now, Edward, also, over the past 11 months. Who blew up the Crimea Bridge? Who blew up the Crimea Bridge? Oh, it was Ukraine. Oh, who was um, sending a video of Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday, Mr. President, to Vladimir Putin as the Crimea Bridge was in flames? Ukraine. Ukrainian government. Who else was sending tweets of, oh, they were happy to see it blow up? Ukrainians. Unprovoked? Yeah, right. And you guys are supporting neo-Nazis. You remember, the United States government is supporting neo-Nazis. They're supporting white supremacies. White supremacy, sorry. Black people, I hope you are waking up, seeing how the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are not on your side. I hope you're stocking up on food and water. I really hope you do, because it's going to get real. The West has changed its stance. From only defensive weapons, NATO is increasingly providing more offensive weapons. How do you see this change in tactics? Uh, again, great question. And, and I think there's two facets to this. One is... We see what Ukraine has done. And the other, of course, is we see what Putin and Russia have done with their brutality. On the Ukrainian side, the, the in, in, uh, inducement to the West, one of the major inducements is the steadfastness of the heroism, really, of the Ukrainian people and the steadfastness and heroism of the leadership, beginning with President Zelensky, who, contrary to Western views, didn't flee Kiev. They stayed in the capital, putting their lives on the line. The, the Ukrainian citizens who rallied and joined the army, and the army putting their lives literally, literally on the front lines uh, every day to defend their freedom and defend their sovereignty. This is not rhetoric. This is the, these are the facts. And that has impressed and inspired the West to, to understand the threat and to back Ukrainians. And of course, the other part is Vladimir Putin's own reaction. We see, number one, that the Russian military is not so great and that it's uh, incompetent and, uh, and that it, the Russian military is in response to uh, Ukrainian uh, efforts and even lost territory. 
So, um, and we see, of course, nonetheless, Putin commits and continues to double down, getting conscripts who are completely untrained, throwing them to the front lines and trying to continue this brutal war of aggression. Please. Briefly, perhaps the most pertinent question, when and how could the Russia-Ukraine war end? Uh, well, it will end when um, Vladimir Putin understands that he cannot achieve uh, his goals on the ground and he cannot achieve any more benefit by escalating, even his famous escalate to de-escalate, the idea of threatening to use uh, a nuclear, of using a tactical nuclear weapon and then forcing the other side, fearing cataclysmic uh, nuclear exchange to then uh, 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 back down and agree to his terms. He has to realize that will not work. And that's why giving tanks is a good move. And that's why the more countries that join and back the uh, Ukraine and back NATO, back the European Union, back the United States, and that send a message, as I believe uh, Prime Minister Modi in India has done, that this is not an era of for war. That it was a very useful and commendable message by uh, Prime Minister. Putin got nukes. Putin got, um, sorry, hold on one minute. One second. I'm getting this interference right now. All right. One second. Okay. Putin got nukes. He has backing. He has oil. He has gold. Let's not forget that's what it's all about. NATO and you and what you European nations they want Putin's gold. Okay. And he's fighting like hell to not only fight to keep his gold, but he's also fighting to keep his people's way of life that is not poisoned by Western ideologies. You see how America's on the brink of collapse with everything going down from his morality, um, the verge, the rise of normalizing pedophilia, normalizing all types of the bot of evil. Okay. And the working of both government political parties are working to see that happen to bring in the new world order. Okay. We see that happening and he's trying to protect his way of life for his people. Okay. Russia, I, Putin has his ways. Don't get me wrong. He has his dirt. Okay. But would you support a country that supports neo-Nazis? And the evil that they're doing, not only to others, but their own people. Would you support a country that at the dinner table, they do the Hail Hitler sign? Would you support a country like that? I wouldn't. Would you support a country that traffics as children in an orphanage for sex traffickers? Would you support a country like that? I wouldn't. That's Ukraine. Ukraine does that. They have orphanages in Ukraine. and. They peddle orphans, little kids to grown men, perverts, and possibly grown women for the pleasure of perverts. Would you support Ukraine once you found that out? I wouldn't.
Minister Modi of India at the summit in Indonesia, please. Absolutely. Edward, thank you very much for being with us. And All right. Here's a really messed up, ugly story coming from Ukraine. It really is. But this is the place that, uh, you know, and you know, it's been in for years on, I think, the U.S. government website that it says that Ukraine is the most corrupt country right along with Romania. Um, they tell U.S. business people, businessmen, don't do business with Ukraine. They are corrupt. Yet the United States is befriending this nation that is corrupt to the core. Hmm. Let's check out this story right here. Fair use, fair use. Second, yeah, once again, fair use. Da 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 da, Ukrainian organ harvesting. New Minister of Defense of France, Sebastian Lecrou, went to visit. Fair use. No, not French, but Ukrainian soldiers in the Percy Military Hospital in the commune of Clamart, and the hospital is less invalidous in the 17th district of Paris. And this was the first time that the French Defense Department published the information about wounded Ukrainians who were being treated in their country before the French didn't even know about it. A similar situation is happening in Germany, despite all the difficulties the Germans have to face. Inflation in Germany, the EU's largest economy, has once again set a new record since February and reached 10.4%, according to the Federal Statistics Office DHS. Food prices are up 20% from last year, and soaring energy costs have made warm homes a luxury for Germans. However, the government continues to help Ukrainians and has come up with a new way to spend money on the treatment of the Ukrainian military in German hospitals. What television shoots and shows optimistic stories about. True, they seem optimistic only at first glance. The Luzhin Hospital Achen Clinic has become one of the key places for the concentration of wounded Ukrainians where they receive assistance. And the senior physician of the clinic, Yulia Tarshis, said most of the soldiers have problems with resistant infections. The problem with most of the guys is that they have not injuries only, but drug-resistant infections as well. I had a very serious bacterial infection. Where I picked it up, no one knows. And the worst thing is, there was no cure for it at all. I was lucky that German doctors have found an experimental, uncertified drug for me. The test drugs were very expensive. They cost about two to four thousand euros per vial. I had to take three per day, and the treatment was for six weeks. That is, the cost of one Ukrainian military man can be over 350,000 euros, which looks rather eccentric in the context of all European calls for total savings. 
By the way, according to Bloomberg estimates, Europe's losses from the energy crisis due to the Russian-Ukraine conflict will have already reached a trillion dollars, which raises the question, which fund or state of which country pays for such expensive treatment in German clinics? And how did it happen that financial assistance to Ukraine was extrapolated into trials of new drugs? In addition, talk about massive antibiotic-resistant infections among Ukrainian soldiers. Sounds frightening for another reason. The recent scandal with the network of American biological laboratories in Ukraine, the existence of which has long been denied by both Ukraine and the states. Does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has... Uh, uh, Biological. Newland's Senate speech in March, the U.S. Department of Defense released a briefing stating it has been working to straight. Population, including those terrible ones, such as the illegal removal of their organs for subsequent. They were in the hospital where he was being treated by foreign doctors. And soon she was suddenly informed of the her husband. Woman tried to get the truth from local doctors who said many lies the removal of their organs for subsequently this insecurity that makes them an easy target for any medical manipulation, including the most terrible ones, such as the illegal removal of their organs for subsequent sale and transplantation. Information about which repeatedly appeared earlier and began to appear more and more often now. For example, the widow of one of the soldiers of the 14th Brigade, Alexandra Eliseva, began to massively disseminate information that her husband was injured, but they corresponded while they were in the hospital, where he was being treated by foreign doctors. 
and soon she was suddenly informed of the death of her husband. The woman tried to get the truth from local doctors who said many lives can be saved, but foreigners decide differently. The Ukrainian media noted an outbreak in deaths among the wounded military personnel of the armed forces of Ukraine in Kapiansky, Krasnolimansky, and Artyomovsky directions, where earlier the intelligence of the DPR noticed a brigade of criminal transplantologists led by the notorious Elizabeth Debru, whose name appeared in similar charges in 2014, beginning of the conflict. Then a former SBU officer turned to WikiLeaks, who said that he personally worked illegally with criminal transplantologists, whose work was supported in Ukraine at the highest level, and the process was supervised by Mikhail Sakshavelli's wife, Sandra Relofs. The whistleblower gave the names and surnames of all of the generals and colleagues who issued false consents. The donation and documents about the missing explaining that many of them had their organs cut out while they were alive. He also indicated the exact places. You hear that? While they were alive. Are we giving money to these savages? ...of mass graves and with the number of corpses. However, international organizations did not check this information. The SBU denied it, and the Ukrainian media made accusations of Kremlin propaganda, as always. It is, of course, impossible to verify this data now, but the extent to which Ukraine is actively simplifying the laws on transplantation raises alarming suspicions. In December of 2021, the Verkhovna Rada adapted Law Number 5831 on regulating the issue of transplantation of human anatomical materials, according to which permission to extract biomaterials can now be given by any person who undertakes to bury the donor, including the commander of the unit or head of the hospital. Also, the law completely removes the right to appoint its authorized representative who, after the death of a person, can report whether the person gave consent to posthumous donation. But that's not all. April 14, 2022, in the midst of a military conflict, Verkhovna Rada of Ukraine adopted law number 5610, exempting the transplantation of anatomical materials from value-added tax. And in the economy, those goods that are exported are usually exempt from value-added tax. And the goal is clear, to reduce the cost and increase competitiveness. True, it is not clear why this is suddenly concerning to the government of Ukraine. Yeah, this this is crazy, man. This is this is insane. Uh, I wow. That is uh <laughs> That's sick. Hold on one second. Okay. Sorry about that. All right. Let's read more on this, shall we? Let's look into this. One second.
Okay, should be coming up a little. Sorry about this, real quick. All right, okay, so I'll just read the article because it's take a little minute to show up on the screen. So let's do it. Here we go. Bloodline claims organ harvest by Ukraine end up in Israel. Ex-security official Vladimir Ovozinsky says Ukrainian forces harvest human organs from dead and wounded as they transfer them to leading organ transplant centers such as Israel. Uh-oh. A Russian former senior official argued okay that the war in ukraine became a very profitable battlefield for black market trans transplantologists in a report picked up by several russian media outlets in an interview with russian outlet mikovsky oh i can't pronounce these names komosmolets retired major general of police and ex-head of the russian central bureau of interpol vladimir volzinski claimed the armed forces of ukraine are delivered human organs harvest from dead and wounded in war people who are still alive such as russian prisoners of war even ukrainian civilians who happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time oh my god when asked where the organs are transported to ovzinski said the most effective and successful workshops are located in four countries turkey india israel and south korea didn't india join BRICS? Israel is also a leader in the field of innovative medical techniques, which are used throughout the world. Clinics of this country successfully perform organ transplant operations. The former advisor to the interior minister of Russia also added that large amounts of medical equipment, including containers for transporting human organs, were sent to Ukraine since the beginning of Russia's invasion. When asked what they do with the bodies, he replied, they burn them like, Aush like an Auschwitz and Dachau. They are they are, after all, heirs of Hitler. There's also information about mobile crematoria to burn the remains of people whose organs are removed. Ovechinsky also argued that there is every reason to believe that the networks of black market medical businesses have prospered in Ukraine under the cover of international humanitarian organizations. The facts of the illegal harvesting of human organs under the auspices of the security service of Ukraine and the armed forces of Ukraine were documented back in 2014 during the civil conflict in the Donbass. The Israel foreign ministry said in response, we consider the attempts to tarnish Israel, such as baseless atrocity of publications, very severe. The Israeli embassy in Moscow will is. with the relevant official you know I, I i just
I don't. One second. I don't know why it keeps doing that. <laughs> like I said, man, everybody's partying. Everybody's, you know, doing their own thing. But are we really planning for what's ahead? We have World War Three on the brink, on the horizon. Our governments don't care about us. They don't. All right, let's get into this story right here. Ukraine, Ukraine corruption scandal deepens as Zelensky sacks a string of officials. A string of senior Ukrainian government officials are were sacked or resigned amidst a flurry of corruption claims Tuesday with those shown the doc the, I'm sorry the door accused of taking illicit payments as the Ministry of Defense allegedly signed overinflated military contracts reports of foul play in Ukraine's high offices first broke over the weekend with critics pointing to the under the table payments to deputy ministers and suspect military equipment contracts however only how only now are the details being made public and those accused named. The AFP reports Deputy of Defense Minister Vasilis Pavlov, Deputy Head of the Presidential Administration Kirill Tomashisko, and Deputy Prosecutor General Oliski Semenko are among the officials who have allegedly departed. The Guardian details the comprehensive list of dismissals as long. It sets out Taish Mishko personally asked President Oliski to relieve him of his duties as part of the wave of exits. Move, move, the move comes amid a corruption scandal which saw infrastructure deputy Vasil Lazinski sacked, detained for an alleged theft of 400000 in the winter aid budget. Corrupt? Military-grade weapon in Ukraine has previously alle alleged to have been sold on the international buyers on the encrypted messaging telegram, including some hardware made in the United States as Breitbart News reported. <laughs> I told you, man, they're selling these weapons, man. They don't know how to use them. So you know what the, 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 the last resort is? If I can't use the weapons, I'll sell them on the black market. Take it. People's tax, American tax dollars wasted right here. Insane. Canadian NGO has warned that Western weapons shipped to Ukraine could not only end up in Russia's hands, but may even end up being sold on the international black market. <laughs> Ukraine's Deputy Defense Minister Yasevich Shapovov, I can't pronounce these names, responsible for supplying troops with food and equipment, has also resigned, citing media accusations of corruption that he and the ministry say are baseless. Nah, you guys were starving your own soldiers, letting them freeze in the cold. They, they end up getting tuberculosis. A statement on the defense ministry's website said Shapovalov's resignation was a worthy deed that would help retain the trust in the ministry. Deputy Prosecutor General Olinsky Semenko has been removed from his post, according to the Prosecutor General's office, and two deputy ministers resigned from Ukraine's Ministry of Communities and Territories Development, Yaskinis Negaga and Ivan Lukeria. According to the Guardian, the heads of five regional authorities across the country have also been dismissed in Dinprosovsk and Zabovizakiev 
Sume and Kirsten. Over the weekend, Euronews reports a Ukrainian newspaper investigation accused the Defense Ministry of signing off contracts to supply food to frontline troops at two to three times the regular price, meaning like they had MREs, right? They were three dollars, right? And instead, they sell it for six. Keep the what's and keep what's ever left over. They're not supposed to do that. It's pathetic. It's just pathetic. Military-grade weaponry, including U.S. hardware in Ukraine, is allegedly being sold on international bars via messaging app Telegram. The amount in question is U.S. $347 million for 2023, according to ZN.UA news site. Even if these accusations are unfounded, the resignations will make it possible to preserve the confidence of society and international partners said the Ministry of Defense in the press release. This is true. Stop lying. Just, just stop. All right? Just, just stop. Okay? You guys are pathetic. You guys know what you were doing. Okay. That's what happened. That's what's going to happen with those planes. That's what's going to happen with all those tanks. They're not going to know what, how to use it. They're going to get tired of killing each other. Now, you know what? We don't know how to use these tanks. We're going to sell them on the black market. So some terrorists sell out there are going to get those things. They're going to get it. That's what's going to happen. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Go on with this next story right here. Oh, one minute. Make this the last story. are hoping to test more wastewater from planes to track the spread of COVID. Specifically, they want to look at the sewage from airplanes. Fox 5's Richard Jacobus explains why this could make a big difference. For nearly three years, scientists around the world have been trying to better understand COVID-19 and potentially get ahead of the virus before it mutates. And the newest experiment could come right out of the sky. What made COVID so devastating was a lack of investment in public health and a lack of investment in infectious disease surveillance. Mm -hmm. So let's strengthen that. That allows us to understand better the transmission dynamics of what's out there, what's coming. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is considering taking sewage from airplanes to add to its wastewater surveillance system. What can that do? Possibly monitor the spread of COVID-19 as the virus mutates. The nice thing about wastewater is it's, it's pretty universal, not quite universal, but 
pretty universal in that everybody poops and that ends up in the toilet. Syracuse University health professor David Larson says wastewater surveillance is the best way to get an early indication of an infection. We do sequence it and identify the variants. Adding airplane waste, especially from international travelers on commercial jets, is a process that takes minutes. The sample goes to a lab after collection and then gets tested. It's a radar system that Professor Larson says works. The international flights are probably the most um, prioritized because they're long haul. And then we have community level surveillance here in the U.S. where we kind of know what's happening where. Um, and so, yes, it's those international flights are high priority. Airplane wastewater testing for COVID variants is an active conversation reportedly between the White House, the CDC, and some major U.S. airlines. The hope is to get this plan into action and flush out any of these new variants and maybe help develop a new vaccine to save lives. We're outside LaGuardia Airport. All right. So I'm going to let you think on that, you know, um, on what you've heard. Okay. And what do you think about that? Do you think what they're doing is uh, going to be helpful? What are your thoughts about that? I hope you guys enjoyed the stream. Okay. Let me know what you think in the comments. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.